Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today we will be discussing the origin of the white race. Now this is a topic that I wanted to discuss for a long time, but there's so much to discuss. And I mean, praise God, this is the 21st episode. Okay, so we have hit 20 episodes, which I'm excited about. And I did touch briefly on Esau being Rome, and I did make the connections. I think it was a part one and a part two to that episode where I did discuss or link through scripture and even the books that were missing that were referred to in the Bible, like the book of Jasher, how we see that Esau eventually became Rome, okay, marrying in with the Kittim people, which I believe was from the line of Javan, which was from the line of Japheth, but don't quote me. So today I want to just share in or, or tie in some more notes with the um, origin of the white race. Now, I will bring up Esau briefly, but I do feel like I brought him up in the in that episode where I talked about him. But I'm going to talk about other areas where people or you know, what, what, what it is believed as far as um, the origin of the, of the white race, these people, because since I've started this podcast, I know that I've showed a lot of evidence through scripture and other incredible resources that the ancient people or the first civilizations period were of um, a darker melanated people that they were not a um a white european race of a people okay and so that started the discussion there so now i also want to stress that i am not a black hebrew israelite okay <laughs> like i don't have any problems with them but um, you know, some of them are just getting a little crazy with it. You know, I'm, it's starting to become like a cult, in my opinion. And it's not, you know, it, even if you look at it like a, as a religion, I'm not with them. Even though a lot of the things that a lot of truth sayers, such as myself, or, or, or people who are coming out and saying a lot of truth, once we start to talk, we start to sound like we are with. But no, I just want to make that very clear. Okay, so and also this is not pushing a black agenda. This is just um, sticking to just following the word and, and seeking the truth. Um, that has been hidden from us. So I also want to let everybody know that my book came today um, in the mail, The Encyclopedia of Lost and Rejected Scriptures, The Pseudographa and the Apocrypha by Joseph B. Lundkin. Now, this book is huge. And I didn't realize that I ordered the hard copy version, which I don't normally do that, but I, I'm happy I did that because my Josephus book with the Antiquities of the Jews and that, it's all in... um. It's all in hardcover, and I take pretty good care of it. So is my Strong's Concordance. So I don't mind. I mean, I'm just going to treat it real well. But it's like over 800 pages. And I just wanted to let somebody know, and I will be doing an episode with about the books that I use in case you guys wanted to look into it and, and maybe start buying some. But it has a lot of books in it, like um, the entire Apocrypha. You know, it has missing books like the Apocalypse of Writings, the Apocalypse of Abraham, Apocalypse of Thomas, um, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Judas, Acts chapter 29, which they took out. A lot of things that they took out, you know, so I'm going to take the time to read and go over this today after this episode and um, see what I find and see how I tie it into other books that um, I thought. So I just wanted to share that with you all. It's here. All right, but the origin of the right way. So, so to begin, I will be reading out of the book from Babylon to Timbuktu, a history of ancient black races, including the black Hebrews by Rudolf R. Windsor. He also wrote a book entitled The Valley of the Dry Bones, and he has a lot of credible sources in the book. I would urge everyone to get it. It says in the back of this book is 1395. I know it's a yellow book, but it's very, 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 I mean, like, this is like a jewel or a gem, like, if you really, really want to know, um, and he pieces it together kind of like in a timeline frame so you can see it. And also he uses Bible references and other references, and he ties in um, not only Christianity, and Judaism, but also like I read to you all the other day about um, Islam and origin. So you get a lot of like history, like a really, really good, it's a lot of meat in this book. So without further ado, I'll be reading chapter 11, which is a good five pages. Bear with me, please, on the origin of the right race. So um, after the destruction of mankind by the flood, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives were the only people that were saved. The sons of Noah were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. From these three sons of Noah was the whole earth populated or repopulated. The ark rested on Mount Ararat. And Mount Ararat is located in the land of Armenia. And um, the words Armenia and Ararat mean high ground. Okay. Now the entire earth at this time was of one speech and of one language. 
Most of the people dwelled in the plain of Shinar, which we know is Mesopotamia or the Fertile Crescent, also where Babylonia was, which makes sense because, again, Nimrod reigned over this area, okay, in Babylon. Um, so men began to congregate in the territory and build up a tower, as we know, a tower to heaven, which was a tower of um, Tower of Babel. And the Jew Jewish historian Flavius Josephus says, God also commanded them to send colonies abroad for the thorough peopling of the earth. But the people did not obey God. Now, when man was in the process of building the tower, God disapproved of its construction because it showed a disbelief in his word. The divine had promised Noah that he would not destroy the earth by water again. Nimrod, the Ethiopian, was the leader of the conspiracy against God. He was a mighty man and a conqueror. He held the people under his dictatorship. When God considered what had been done, he confused men's language and scattered them towards the four directions of the earth. Okay. So what we have here is just Josephus' account of the Tower of Babel. And I just want to remind everyone again, because again, we, you know, if we're, if we're talking about the, the ancient um, races, especially the pre-Hebrews or the relatives of the Hebrews, the brethren, we're talking about Nimrod already being an Ethiopian. How do we have that? It's because we have um, Ham and then we have Cush. Cush, who is Ethiopia, whose name translates to Ethiopia, who later had Nimrod, who was his firstborn. And Nimrod is the firstborn son of Cush, the Ethiopian, or the father of the Ethiopians that would make Nimrod an Ethiopian, which once again, we know is a melanated and a dark colored people. Okay. So this is why we saying that if you haven't listened to previous episodes, and there's many other um, things that connect with us to that as well. So the sons of Noah were Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, as I mentioned before. So because the world was populated from these three sons of Noah, is proper to classify men or the men of the world today. It's only proper to classify us human beings that are born of whole souls from God, okay? It's only proper to classify us according to the classification of either Shemites, Hamites, or Japhites, okay? Not Caucasoid, Mongoloid, or Negroid, okay? <clears throat> now, Let's see. Like I have found so much when I was reading, and I know that even though I said I'm going to read all the five pages, I know there's some that I don't really want to. Um... read up too much but um so we're going to talk about the parts of the earth that were inhabited by the children of shem which were assyria and elam um, or persia east of the tigris river the eastern part of syria this is all where um shem's descendants took over okay and parts of the arabian peninsula all the children of shem were black as we know okay this position will be supported by arguments and facts later on and and ones that i've already um Proved in other episodes or stated in other episodes. Okay, the second classification of mankind was the Hamites. Um, and this civilization included some of the continent of Africa or Africa period, the continent of Africa, the land of Canaan, which is modern day Israel, parts of Arabia, Syria, Phoenicia, Turkey, Babylonia, um, southern Persia, which is modern day Iran. East Pakistan and a large part of India. And then the third classification of mankind was the Japhites, which from the Japhites, who was um, the youngest son of Loa, the offspring um, pretty much occupied what is known as the Isle of the Gentiles. Now, if you learned about the Isle of the Gentiles, this is the one that they normally say is where the white people come from. And it's not that far-fetched because as we're going to see, though, we're going to see that a lot of Japheth's descendants actually took on and over. And this is, you could get this from Genesis 10, which is also called the Table of Nations, or you could look up the Table of Nations because what it does is pretty much show you based on Noah's three sons, like I'm talking about right now, which part of their descendants spread it out to create which um, continents, which, which pretty much formed the world as we know it today and the races of the, of the people of the world as we know them today. <clears throat> So you have the Isle of the Gentiles, okay, um, which was the shore on the shore of the territories of the Mediterranean Sea in Europe and parts of Asia Minor. Now, the fact that I even just say Europe, you could honestly see where they could get that. Um, this is where the, uh, the white man came from. So after Noah's Ark rested on the Mount of Ararat and after the dispersal of the children of men at the Tower of Babel, Japheth's descendants traveled west, north, and northeast of the mountain of Ararat and the Caucasus Mountains. 
okay, which is interesting because you see Caucasus and you get Caucasian, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on. So the Japhites settled uh, near the mountains, um, Taurus and Amnes, and in Turkey. Now, if you want to talk about the white man even just liking the mountains, a lot of people would have argued that Esau, after he made peace with Jacob, he went up to Mount Seir, okay, which people will later on say that that ended up being somehow the Caucasus Mountains or whatever, or the fact that just showed that the people like to be in the mountains. <clears throat> okay, so... Either way, Japheth's people ended up being um, um, Gomer, or Japheth's sons were Gomer, Magog, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. Okay, from Gomer, you got the Cimmerians, the Seabreeze, the Celtic families, the Gales of Ireland, Scotland, and the Hebrides Islands. Okay, then you have the other son, like Magog, being the father of the Scythians. And um, Madai being the father of the Medes, and Javan, the fourth son, coming out being the father of the Greeks, and so forth and so forth and so forth. Okay, now <clears throat> when you get to when you get the Tubal, the fifth son of Japheth, this is when you start talking about his descendants, and then you have them settling in places like Turkey. Um, you have his grandson being Ashenkenaz, which is the one who formed the Germanic race, which is the white race, okay? So Ashenkenaz is also where you get Ashenkenazi Jews, which is a lot of the modern-day Jews that are walking around today, which are of um, white skin. So this is why I'm going down this list. It's a kind of, I know it's kind of choppy, but to just kind of bring up, you know, what it was and how we got some of this. So this is another reason why um, Japheth line, because you got to remember, Javon is the one that brings out Ashenkenaz through a grandson, okay? And now he is under the line of Japheth. And I just said a lot of them settled in places like Turkey, Greece, Asia Minor, and then, of course, Ashenganized for the Germanic race. But now you have white. So <clears throat> if Esau was already technically born, you know, you, you know, you, you already have, I guess, two different stories of where the white man comes. But you never know. Maybe it's just different origins of white people. You never know. Okay, but that's not the point I want to try to prove. Okay, and then eventually the Germanic tribes turned into the Lombards. The Burgundians, the Franks, the Saxons, the Angles, the Jutes, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths. I mean, too many names, okay? But anyway, it was about 10 Germanic Barbian tribes that started to settle all over Western Europe. And they intermingled with modern-day nations of um, Europe as we know them today. And all these were the tribes and descendants of Japheth, okay? <clears throat> now... The reason I'm saying this the way I'm saying it is because it's a very important to know that the ancient people did not classify races according to skin color like modern day nations of Europe and America today. So the ancients, including the Greeks and the Romans, identified people according to their national or tribal names. So the names they used in those days were Visigoths, like I'm using Vandals, um, Saxons, Ethiopians, Carthaginians. Jews, Arabs, Persians, Babylonians, Egyptians, Moors. You understand? Like this is what this is this is what how people knew of each other in those days. It wasn't anything as white or black or whatever. I mean, what do you call people in 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 the middle of that yellow peach? I mean, come on. Like, where did this come from? And we'll talk about that as well. So they didn't use basically the term Negro, which is um, a modern term basically to refer to the black races of the world. And, and, then, and then you got Caucasian to refer to white races. Dividing the world along a color line was an idea that pretty much originated from white supremacists in Europe after the Renaissance. Okay, Because the Europeans didn't have a great civilization in, you know, in, in the beginning. As far as like the, especially the um, the white version of them. So during the Middle Ages, the black nations of Africa and Asia, according to um, Dr. Rudolph R. Windsor, he says during the Middle Ages, the black nations of Africa and Asia had the greatest political, economic, educational, and military influence in the world. At this time, Europe existed in a state of darkness for a thousand years, or what was known as the Dark Ages, okay? In the 17th century and later, Europe began to emerge out of a sloth of ignorance and certain Germans, which would have been the line of Japheth, and others conceived of themselves as belonging to a superior race. Now, this is when we introduce Johann F. Blumenbach, okay, a German. Now, we talk about Germans, we talk about Japheth's line. So, this is Japheth's line who later produced this guy, Johann F. Blumenbach, okay, and Blumenbach comes in. 
and is the first to divide humanity on the basis of skin color, okay? Because up to this time, no such attempts had ever been made. Okay, his classification set up a color line to, de to the um, detriment of other generations or later generations such as ours, if the ones before us and the ones that will um, come in after us. Okay, so Bullenbach classified five chief races of mankind. The Caucasian being number one, as you can see, superior, the Caucasian, two, the Mongolian, three, the Ethiopian, four, American Indian, and five, the Malayan, okay? Now, it says here by Rudolf Albinzer in his book, From Babylon to Timbuktu, The History of the Ancient um, Black Races, including the Hebrew Israelites, he says, Blumenbach, the anthropologist named the whites after the Caucasus Mountains, okay? This is where all of these origins came in. These mountains are situated between the Black and Caspian Seas because he thought the purest white people originated there. That's what he believed, okay? So white or some white person, a Germanic person from the line of Japheth happened to come along and decided that um, after they came out their thousand years of darkness that they should be the superior race instead of the other darker races with melanated people who had brains and was using it <clears throat> and decided that um, they would come out with this, this theory, okay? So... Blumenbach was a racist. Now, this is what Rudolf R. Windsor says, that Blumenbach was a racist, and so was J.A. Gobineau. A third man by the name of H.S. Chamberlain wanted to advance the supremacy of the white nomadic or Nordic race and its culture. These men attributed psychological value and importance to race. So now, after they did that and made a statement, and now you had to, you, you know, make him a man of power, someone who has some kind of saying, he has some, a string of letters behind him, he starts making a statement about there's only five main races, Caucasians or people of, of or white color being Caucasians being the number one and everyone being inferior. Now you got to start, um, you, that was just setting a standard and classifying the races by five all over the world. Now you got to start psychologically um, bringing value and importance to that one race that you set aside to be the primary race based on this European white supremacist kind of um, movement. Okay, And this was racism. And this racism led to um, horrible, vicious racial thoughts and things. And Rudolf Orwins goes on to say that it led to the what he called persecution of the Jews in Nazi Germany, because what did they, what were they doing? They was running around here looking for this, this um, you know, this uh, race, Aryan race of people with blonde hair and blue eyes and anything that didn't fit it and, and all of this. So at the end of the day, it still was a superiority in the white race, but even in the white race, there were certain other white races that just were, couldn't come along, okay? <clears throat> so... Rudolf R. Wizard says, as I have proven, the earliest civilizations began in North Africa and the Middle East among the black races. Read about the black Asiatics in Hebrew whence it began in Babel, a book on the origin of races. And he lists the pages and I'm going to get that book because I don't have it. But he said, we have more than adequate proof that the white races began near the Caucasus Mountains and from there they spread north northwest and northeast into Europe and Asiatic Russia. Now we know that the Japhites, Europeans, are white today. Were they originally white from their ancestor Japhet, or did they change materialize in the skin color of the descendants or change in materialize in the skin color of the descendants of Japheth? This question is difficult to answer. I was told that Japheth was a black man but he wanted to be white, so God changed him to a white man. Now he says, evidence to that theory is lacking. Nevertheless, scientists and anthropologists have found different kinds of mutations in certain parts of the world. A physical mutation is a sudden variation or change, the offspring differing from its parents in some outstanding characteristic. Also, a major change in the chromosomes or genes that determine hereditary. Blonde hair among the black Australian aborigines is an example of a mutation. And probably albinos are a good um, example of mutations with their white skin, woolly hair, thick lips, and Ethiopian noses. Any sudden change from the normal is regarded to be as a mutation. 
Other examples of mutations are blondism or whiteness among monkeys, apes, and the chimpanzee. Now, <clears throat> he's going to continue to talk about mutations. I'm going to read on and then I'll talk about um, other mutations later that I found out. Okay, because mutations do happen. It doesn't matter if you talk or give it a scientific name, which science has gone to find, but there are lots of things that can mutate and change in a, in a person's um, genetic line that may have not have been like the original. That's why they call this a mutation. So he goes on to say major mutations or changes took place among the descendants of Japheth. Now, why would he say that? He would say that, in my opinion, which in, it just makes common sense to me, is because a majority of his descendants were the ones that founded what you call modern-day Europe today, the so-called Shankanites tribe that leads the modern-day Jews or, or part of a large majority of the modern-day Jews that you see today and also European continents that we know of our white origin, primarily Russia, um, England, Scotland, Ireland, you know, these places, this is where they went off to, okay? So it's just like, um, you know, what, what the, something, I guess you could say if there was a way to trace it, you'd have to say that something or excuse me, genetic mutation must have happened somewhere down the line of Japheth's line and his descendants, okay? It says, this is, he says, this is obvious because of their white skin. In other words, they were black at one time, but their skin changed to white, okay? This phenomenon can be understood in view of the total world population. Over two-thirds of the population of the world consists of colored people. That is a ratio of two to one. Two out of Noah's three sons remained black. We know this to be true because many of the people throughout Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the islands in the Pacific Ocean are yellow, brown, or black, which is why I kept stressing people of color. You know, I would say black people because black people are so lost, you know, it's just like you got to get them first because it really is like so, so lost and in the other races. But anyway, it says they have facial features like the Concoid Africans, Concoid Africans, especially the Vietnamese, Filipinos, the people of India, which he says are a mixture of black Dravidians and Indo-Europeans. Okay. Then he says, Thailanders, Burmese, Indonesians, Guineans, Sumatrans, and the Aborigines of Australia, etc., etc. You can get a good idea of the features of these people by reading the Geographical Magazine. In the, basically, in, in our day, he means by Googling these people, the Indonesians, the Guineans, the Thailanders, and look at their facial features and you get a good idea. He says, um, 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 of, of like, you know, you could see it, the... Congoid African features is what he's saying. Then he says, of course, there was a Indo-European invasion in the Middle East between the year 2000 and 1500 BC. He said these Germanic tribes, which again is Japheth, the Japhetic tribes, interme intermingled with the black people everywhere they traveled because as long as you every time you go in and you conquer a people nine out of ten you subdue their women you took their women and you raped their women and of course through raping of the women you got different colors it's the same thing through the transatlantic slave trade master helped himself to the women and the women's daughters uh, or their or their slaves wives or their their slave their man slaves daughters and there was nothing you could really do about it and of course they produced pregnancies of these um interraced children or these mixing of these children so he says the mingling made the people in syria babylon assyria persia India and parts of Arabia much lighter in, com in complexion. Okay, now the color of the people in this region ranges from brown to yellow. The Greek and Roman invasions also made these people in the Middle East lighter. Another fact we should not forget is that the Moors and the Arabs of North Africa, okay, captured and raped European women. So because the Moors, who most people should know, and if you didn't know, were a, a dark melanated people, and the Arabs was also a melanated people, and they said from North Africa, they captured and raped European women, which would mean that if they were Japhetic women and they had this mutation, we're going to talk about what kind of mutation, not just that they just turned white or why. We're going to talk about a lot of things a little bit later on, not too far down the road to um, tie in all of this, but <clears throat> that would mean that the black Moor men raping the Japhetic women would produce a lot of remnant. So he says, as a result, 
The North Africans became lighter at one time because these people in North Africa and the Middle East were all black at one time. That was the, that's the understanding, okay? Whites have pretty much intermingled their blood with blacks in Asia, blacks in Africa, and the Western Hemisphere. In spite of this, the colored people of the world control about three-fourths of the Earth's ge geographical area because the colored people of the world, he says, are in a majority. We were never the minority. <clears throat> And it's actually proper to infer that the whites have always been a minority and that the black people are the original people of humanity, okay? Now, this all goes back to just geographical facts, history, studies, and understanding and knowledge. So, again, this is not a black agenda. I am not a Hebrew Israelite. Um, Dr. Rudolph R. Windsor is a credible source, and also the sources that he uses can be backed up by simply doing Google searches or or, or um studies on your own or yourself, which is what I did, you know, and every time I do, I just, you always end up just finding more and more and more, like even me, I'm just saying this, but you might do your own studies and it's going to lead you to other things that I might not have discussed or mentioned because I didn't have time or I might have look, overlooked it. So I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back and finish off with um, the little bit that's left in this chapter. And then we're going to jump into um, scripture and see what scripture says about um, people with pale skin. See you after the break. Who's on the Lord's side? Welcome back to Who's on the Lord's side. We're back from break and I'm continuing where I left off in chapter 11 of the book from Babylon to Timbuktu, a history of ancient black races, including the black Hebrews by Rudolph R. Windsor. So when we last, when we last left off, we were talking about um, the Japhetic line and how they were mostly or primarily, or how Japheth of uh, Noah's three sons was the father or, or of what it seems to be a lot of, of the major European nations, including the um, 10 Germanic tribes. Okay, and also I was coming back because I wanted to discuss... Um, again, the white race or the origin of the white race. So I'm going to continue where he left off. <clears throat> when the when the Japhites separated at the Tower of Babel, the Japhites being descendants of Japheth, the theory and probability is that they turned white. Okay. He goes on to say, there are many cases of individuals turning white into Jewish Bible history or biblical history. When God wanted to show Moses a miracle, he turned his hand white as snow. Then, then he turned it back again to its original color, black. In ancient Israel, when a man had a white spot in his skin or white or yellow hair or white skin, somewhat reddish, he was pronounced unclean. All people who were victims of this shameful disease were isolated outside of the camp or city. Those that had leprosy were called lepers and they had to shut or shout unclean, unclean. All people in the ancient world who had yellow hair and leprosy were despised and segregated. This is one reason that white supremacists discriminate against black people today. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses and defamed his character because he married an Ethiopian woman. Now, I would just like to sh uh, stress once again that it, most white people will tell you or, or the ones who claims that, you know, all the people in the Bible are of, of European descent will say that Moses was white and his wife was black. And also that that's why. But that's not what it was, because you got to remember at the end of the day that um, everybody, including Moses, came down from the line uh, from the, the 12 um, that came down from. Noah's three sons, okay? And so at the end of the day, even if Ham was cursed to be black, it still but does it make sense in the sense that if he was cursed to be black, that means that his other descendants or his other brothers, his mother and father, if all three of them came from the same mother and father, they all would have been of one race. And it has nothing to do with the color of his skin, his curse, okay? So when they say that, and then from Ham you have Cush, which means Ethiopia, and then you have um, Nimrod and so on and so forth. So when they're saying that, or their argument would be that because Moses married an Ethiopian, God was mad, is was to say that because Moses was white, he shouldn't marry a black person, when really it was because Ham was of the Canaanites and Canaan, Canaan was cursed. Now, um, it says here, 
Mir Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses and defamed his character because he married an Ethiopian woman. As a punishment, God struck Miriam with leprosy and she turned white as snow. Now, many people have deceived themselves in thinking that Miriam and Aaron spoke against her because she was a black woman. Now, this is him speaking, but I've already put my two cents in and it's not from this book. This is because I've known this theory for so long, but this is not the case because Miriam... Aaron and Moses were all black people. They spoke against me, Moses because the Ethiopian woman was of a different religion. The color issue did not exist in their day. And that goes back to um, what I was mentioning before, which is that the people of their day did not classify races according to skin color, like the modern nations of Europe and America. You know, the ancients, including the Greeks, Romans, um, all identify people according to their national and tribal names. So black or white was not, you know, there's nothing in that. And it had nothing to do with that so much as to do with your line or your descendants or what was mentioned or commanded of God as far as do it and not do. Okay, so... Um, then we're going to keep going on. And then he ends off his chapter, chapter 11 in his book, by talking about Naaman and um, Gezai, who had leprosy. He said, I will write a summary of this story. Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army. He acquired leprosy, boils, and whitening of the skin. He wanted to be cured. Then he heard about Elisha, the prophet. Elisha told him to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman obeyed, and he was cured. A reward was offered Elisha, but he refused it. A servant of Elisha named Gazi or Gehazi wanted the reward that his master Elisha refused. Then Gazi ran to look for Naaman. When he found him, he asked him for the reward and said that, that his master had sent him. Now, of course, this was a lie. Okay. When Gazi or Gehazi returned to Elisha, Elisha said, I know you have gotten garments, olive yards, and all kinds of wealth by means of, of subterfuge. Therefore, the leprosy that Naaman had will cleave unto you and unto your seed descendants forever. And he departed from his presence a leper as white as snow. This type of leprosy affected the reproductive organs, genes, and chromosomes that determined hereditary characteristics as well. And I will share a scripture that shows that God had even specifically not only just put it on the person per hand, but also it went into their genes and in his body. This meant his children would produce white offspring, even though he was a black man at first. This was a curse of Gehazi. So basically, and this is in scripture, you know, this is why I said I like this book so much, because not only does it go through history, but it goes through history and connects the Bible as well, which is history, you know, and accurate history. You know, if you if you put the pieces together that they've taken away. So what we have here is a curse of Gehazi or what we're seeing in the Bible is, the only, is, is not that a curse was never. It was never a curse in the Bible or scripture. It never shows you that it was a curse to be dark colored or melanated. So much as it shows you in scripture that it was a curse was put on you, it would turn you white or a lighter color of something that was less melanated, okay? So <clears throat> I wanted to, from there, because there's just so much to touch on, we're done with um, From Babylon to Timbuktu. I wanted to go into scripture now and talk about um, the origin of the white man from there. So I wanted to check, talk on Leviticus chapter 13 because in Leviticus chapter 13 that's where you literally have um, what they call or the section of the law that's entitled signs and treatment of leprosy but if you skip down to verse 13 in chapter 13 um, it says then the priest shall consider and behold if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague, and it is all turned white. He is clean. So again, then the priest shall consider the person who has leprosy. If the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he hath pronounced him clean that hath the plague. It is all 
it is all turned white. He is clean, meaning if there's white all over, he is a clean leopard, okay, or a clean leprosy because there's unclean and clean leprosy. What they considered unclean leprosy was when the spots were there, but the spots didn't necessarily have it all over. It was all around, and then, and then also with the boils and things of that nature, that was considered unclean. If Don't don't quote me there, but that was considered unclean. But the, but the um, clean leprosy, meaning you're still a leopard, or you still have leprosy, which it says here in verse 13 is a plague, as if it was white all over. So the technical, the understanding is that um, white people are clean lepers, especially the ones that don't have blonde hair. They're just clean um, lepers walking around or walking in the mist. Now, if you go to, if you go to verse um, 30 in the same chapter of Leviticus, and Leviticus chapter 13 is titled Signs and Treatment of Leprosy. In verse 30, it says... Then the priest shall see the plague. Now, remember, it's a plague to have this white skin or this really white as snow skin. Because, you know, how they say, oh, milky white. And I'm not saying I'm racist now. And I'm not. I'm just going by scripture. But I'm just saying there's people that say, oh, it's just very, very pale in the skin. Or they'll say, oh, very milky white or something. You know, like they really will say like a really porcelain white. You know, they always try to make it seem like white as snow. You know, or they'll say snow bunning. That's a very derogatory term. But you understand what I'm trying to say. So, you know, but the point is in scripture, this is seen as first as a plague. So the priest shall see the plague and behold it and be in sight deeper than the skin. And there, and so it says, if it be in sight, if the plague in sight on sight is deeper than the skin and there be in it a yellow thin hair, then a priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a dry scowl, even a leprosy upon the head or the beard. So now, not only was white skin one thing, because like I said, the ones with white hair, the white skin without the blonde hair, they're just, un, they're just uh, clean lepers. But in verse 30, it says that if a priest looks upon the plague of a person with white skin, and from the sight of it, he can see that it goes deeper than the skin, meaning that there is yellow, thin hair that comes along with it, okay, then you will pronounce it unclean because the leprosy is even, even upon the hair or the beard, meaning the hairs of the face, the hair all over the body, period, is coming out with this thin with this thin yellow. And the only thin yellow hair that ever existed upon mankind, naturally, whatever, is blonde hair, okay, blonde hair. Now, <clears throat> that's what we have there with that scripture. Now we're going to go into Second Kings, Second Kings 5 and 26, which talks about Naaman, we just talked about. Second Kings 5 and 26. So it says here, and he said unto him, um, went not mine heart with thee when the man turned against thee in his chariot to meet thee? Is it time to receive money? So this is Elisha confronting him and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and manservice and maidservice. The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. So once again, you know, um, this is the same thing that he just mentioned, Rudolf R. Rinzer before, which is the curse of Gehazi, who um, wanted to be greedy instead of doing the right thing. It wasn't enough for him to just be under a man who was connected to God, who would he would have never wanted for anything. He would have been treated well. He wanted to get the gold and the money and the olives and all this stuff that um, Elisha had turned down. And lied to um, Naaman saying that um, uh, that his master Elisha had asked for it and so the curse was on him. But uh, and specifically it says in 27 that it is going to cleave not only unto him but unto his seed forever. So, you have, so we have to understand at some point, even if it wasn't Esau's children, that there was people who was walking around here who, um, you know, once God, once there's a curse or something declared, that's what it is. So if they said that not only was leprosy something that could be put on somebody, but it was also something that could come out hereditary in a DNA mutation on their offspring and come out later, then yeah, you know what I'm saying? Then that's what it is, which would mean why, you know, why they're, they're where the white man could have potentially came from as well, as far as this, instead of just saying just Esau. Because when I look at the Esau connection, and I told you all about Esau eventually making his way to Rome, intermarrying with the with the Kittim people, with, wow, which, which the Kittim people also came from the line of Japheth. 
just like I said um, from the light of Japheth, I just said that the Germanic people and most of the European nations came from, okay? So if you have the Kittim people later on marrying with, with um, Esau, Esau's the, the, um, descendant Zepho, which I mentioned thoroughly in Esau being Rome in those two um, episodes, if you haven't catched it and you want to know who Zepho is, who was clearly a descendant of Eliphaz, who was a descendant of Esau, you can clearly see that his Esau's descendant made it all the way to Rome, intermarried with the Kingdom people, and then they formed what is known as modern-day Rome today, and eventually sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD. So no matter how you look at it, whether you want to say that uh, he was born white, which I don't know that Esau was necessarily born white, or if he later on intermarried with um, a, a so-called um, maybe see leprosy of a people. I don't know. Who knows? You know, it, I don't know. But either way, Esau did eventually make it to Rome, and Esau is Rome. You know, now is he the white man? Did he was he the origin of the white man? Not sure. But like I said, as we can see here, there was a punishment that was put on people by the Most High, um, called leprosy. So now we're gonna skip to <clears throat> Numbers twelve and ten. Numbers 12 and 10, we are talking about Miriam, Moses' sister, being healed of leprosy. And it starts like this. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherewith we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses crieth unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O Lord, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should the days not be ashamed seven days, and let her shut out of the camp seven days, and after that let her receive in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people sojourned not till Miriam was brought in again. So now Miriam is cast with leprosy once again because of a, as a punishment. Okay, but as you can see, when the punishment comes upon people, even 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 um Aaron. Who, who said, oh, my God, Moses, this is our sister. You know what I'm saying? He's afraid for her. Not only does, not, not just what she looks like now, but the condition of her health, okay? Because he knows that this is not good. This is a punishment and a curse. So he said, please, you know, say something because we cannot let her be as one who is dead. Then it says, of whom the flesh is half consumed. For, so for her flesh to look white as snow, it was considered to be looking as a flesh that is half consumed. And it was likened to one that cometh out of his mother's womb. Now, what do we know about a baby that comes out of their mother's womb? They look extremely or extremely raw. And uh, the skin, especially streaming out the womb, is like whitish. But we also know as we go along, it takes a while before the pigment and that coloring comes into that baby's uh, skin. Most people tell you, you got to look at the outer ear. I don't have children. I'm not married. But most people tell you, you know, I know people who have babies. I have family members and little cousins, and I've seen them as well, and friends who have had children over the years. And they'll tell you, if you want to get an idea, if you're, you know, eager to know about the complexion the baby's going to have, you look at the outer ear, and it's all going to come into place. But as you can see, that child, that's, that's that underlayer. When that, when that child come out, that's that underlayer of what's really going to be as far as the true complexion of that child. Okay, so when Miriam is coming up looking like she looking like the damn like the her, like they you know how they say they beat the they beat the, the um they beat you down to the white meat she looking like they done peeled off her skin, that's why he's saying things that are, or saying that that it look like the flesh is half consumed. It look like if somebody like bleached it or something. You understand what I'm saying? And it and it got took out like when they come out their mother room. Who's not? Who's not? This ain't the this ain't your skin. That's like something that's underneath. That's why sometimes when people burn their skin off, if it doesn't come back, probably you got the white on it because that's not it. That's something that's supposed to be up on top of that. Okay. So <clears throat> I just wanted to show how, um, you know, it, it also that it was an instant leprosy because the leprosy, I wanted to read something that I found that I like that it was trying to break down the leprosy verse, um, definition today versus what true leprosy in the Bible was, which it, which is not the same thing. The world likes to change things around because if you understand that the white man might could potentially be um clean leprous people, you know that you know they they really don't want them, them you to know of who they are. So I just wanted to read this really quickly. 
Okay, so what we what what is called leprosy today is different from the cursed sickness disease that is called leprosy in the English translation of the Bible. This is the dictionary definition of leprosy today, and I got this from AfricaSpeaks.com. It says a, a slowly progressive chronic infectious disease caused by the bacterium Microbacterium leprae that damages nerves, skin, and mucous membranes and can lead to loss of cessation, paralysis, gangrene, and deformity if untreated, okay? But um, they said the only way that leprosy is described as in the scriptures is pale skin, that sometimes if it covered the skull or went deeper than the skin, went into the hair and produced blonde or yellow hair. And I like what it said. That's why I wanted to share that because to me, that's what the true definition is. You got to go by scripture. You got to go by the word of the most high and what the people understood that to be of the day. You also have to understand that if somebody was pronounced as leprous, they had to get up out of there um, sometimes for seven days if their condition could be clean and come back. And then they would be declared clean. And if they was unclean, they had to go out and make, live somewhere else. So you have to understand after a while of this, a certain, especially if they started producing them, like the curse of Gehazi was on you and you might have produced offspring. You have to understand after a while, these people would have to, they would have had to have started to live amongst each other, you know, as a group of people. You understand? Or or something of that nature. They wouldn't they couldn't have just been eventually you just wandering around as let me see another one. You have let's hang out together, birds of a feather flock together, they probably would have started whole studies and civilizations. And this could also be where they could have potentially came from. Okay. <clears throat> so I wanted now to skip over to but also, notice in numbers, it was instant leprosy. It was a curse, okay? Now, if a child was born with it or something, then it was in the gene line and something. You know how they say the sins of your father? That's why in, in, in um, Exodus chapter 20, I just want to read this real quick. I want to just, that's what a lot of us, it's like general, generational curses is real because in Gen, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 in the Ten Commandments, he says, thou shalt not bow down thyselves to them, nor serve them, talking about um, engraving images. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of thy fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So so people who would be born with less leprosy later on, they, there's not even anything that they did. It's something that happened in generations above above them, you know, so to speak. But my point is, I, if this is the theory of where they came from, which no matter what you believe, this is what's going on. This is what the Most High did. And there is a people walking around here with the curse of Gehazi on them. They would have had to live amongst themselves in a new community because they would have to be banned in exile. Especially if they was completely unclean down to the root of the blonde hair or the yellow hair or the yellow thin hair. Now, I wanted to go to Luke 17 verses 11 through 19. And this is just to bring up conversation. I can't, you know, whatever... You know, there's more studying to be done on this. Even myself, I just got this huge book today. Who knows? I could find more stuff in here. This is where we are now, you know. And also, you can do your own research. It's very fascinating. But you got to know they came from somewhere. I and mean, we can understand where dark gets to light or whatever. But where, you know, where did you all, <laughs> where did you all come from? All right, Luke. Let's do it. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I'm looking at Luke 17, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Jesus heals 10 lepers, okay? Um, and I'll be reading up until about verse 19. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So no matter what, as soon as you see leper, you should know it's a person with white skin. Pale white skin is white as snow. So, so now, no matter what, even Yeshua is walking around more melanated than these so-called white as snow people. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Okay. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of the ten, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, they're saying that he was a Samaritan for a reason, because most of these, most of these people um, are, were pagan. OK, because um, the um, 
it would be weird. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like an unbeliever or, a, or, or believer coming in. But notice that it wouldn't be surprising that unbelievers would fall under the, the, the punishment of leprosy or ones who didn't obey God. So one of them out of the, out of the 10 came back and um, glorified God and he fell down at his face and at the feet of um, Yeshua and gave him thanks. And Jesus answering said, where were there not 10 clean cleansed? But where are the nine? Meaning only you came back? The nine not cleansed ten, where are the nine? And then he says, There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to the stranger, the one leper, Arise, go thy way, that faith that made he made thee whole. Now not only is this leper cleansed, made back to his original what he should look like, not this white as snow. You know, because remember in the Bible there's nothing in there that says dark is a curse, it says white as snow is a curse. And that's not to say, listen, I don't know, I'm not like I said, I'm not a racist, I'm simply going off of the um what scriptures are saying because gentiles have an ear to the promise as well as long as they believe and they follow the commands it's just like the ones that are already inherited you know you everyone have one that's why christ came to build that bridge back for both okay as you can see even the samaritan who was a leper was able to get saved back so to say that white people you don't say that they're damned and cursed or the color of the skin that's not the point of this message it's so much as just to say you know where did they come from with the origin and he said that faith that made he whole let me see. I want to go into um, Exodus, Exodus uh, chapter four, verse five, right now. Exodus chapter four, verse five. Right now, I just want to share some some scriptures on that, just so we can show that in scripture that this pale white skin was of um, you know. Or like, you know, they have scriptures where they have even Solomon saying, I, you know, I am black and comely, old daughters of Jews. You know, like in other ones, there's so much different. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cover that, too, as well. I mean, I feel like I've done enough to kind of not necessarily prove it, but kind of show. And so, so has a lot of other people to kind of shown that a lot of the ancient races was of um, a dark, a melanin people. But right now we're at Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. Verses 5, and I'll read on from there. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thine bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thy hand into thine bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Okay? And so that was another sign. You know, so the sign could be that I could, you know, and, and, and that would... I feel like, you know, you could turn the skin red or whatever, but I mean, to take it from one extreme to the other extreme, you know, that's huge. And especially in leprosy within the, in the book was sudden, okay? It came on quickly if you just got the curse on you and you just immediately inherited the curse. And then it could it could go so far as in, it's something that could be clean, so maybe it wasn't forever. And then sometimes um, it cleansed, I should say, and it healed, okay? And maybe the Messiah could heal you or, 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 or a, um, a prophet, like Elisha um, healed Naaman. Like there were place times you could get healed, but then there were times where you just wasn't healed at all because maybe you just was a clean leper. So you was clean, you could run around, you know, and you could say, but if you was unclean, you had to shout unclean. And if you was unclean for too long, you had to get casted out, especially if it went down into the skin to the root of the hair or the beard or the hairs of the body and your skin was not thin and pale. <clears throat> your hair was not thin and pale. <clears throat> all right. And... That's all I wanted to read from there. Now, I wanted to see if there was any other scriptures that I had. Okay, and blonde hair is leprosy of the hair. And blonde hair is, um, if you look in science, it's, some, it's a lack of, like, melanin as well. Just like if you look at blue eyes, blue eyes, they'll tell you that it's not, they'll tell you if you, all right, I'm going to look up blue eyes right now because I just did, I did do that for you guys because I want you to know about mutations because blue eyes is a mutation in the human, in the human um, world as well. So, if you don't know this, um, you should know that human beings or the blue-eyed people is new. Okay, new. Among the human race. <clears throat> I'm trying to find it. 
market. And they have did a study about 800 people, and they found out there's one common ancestor behind blue eyes, and that people with blue eyes have a singing, single common ancestors, according to new research. Now, this is science. This is not biblical, but the point is that it would show that if blue-eyed people are all new, and, and blue-eyed people, if you look at what it says, it's like there's, it's like that it, there's something called a stroma in the eye, and it says that people with more melanin in the stroma have brown-colored eyes, that people with blue or gray or green have less melanin in what is called the stroma. But in the iris or something, they do have melanin in the back. That's why sometimes around the circle or something, but you got to like read up on it to see, but... Yeah, it says, look, it says here, the colored part of your eye is called the iris, and it's made up of two layers, okay? Then it says, the stroma, in contrast, is made up of colorless collagen fibers. Sometimes the stroma contains a dark pigment called melanin, and sometimes it contains excess collagen um, deposits. So they said brown eyes, for example, contain a high concentration of melanin in their stroma, which absorbs most of the light entering their eye regardless of collagen deposits, giving them their dark color. They say green eyes don't have much melanin in them, but they also have no collagen deposits. Okay, so pretty much it's like the lighter things are in skin, hair color, and eye color means a lack of melanin that they have on them as well. But I just found it very interesting that blue eye people all come from um sort of like from, it's, I think it's only a ten thousand, not even that long. It's not even not it, you know, but they can trace it back to an ancestor who was almost like a Neanderthal. But that just means that all blue eye people are related and they all descended from one person. So if you could say all blue eye people descended from one person, who's to say that this one person wasn't Gehazi and it's a curse of Gehazi? Who's to say? I don't know. I'm just throwing things out now, you know, just to just to talk. <clears throat> Now, um, I touched on Esau in other episodes concerning the white man, how he went to Rome. I think that you should definitely like listen. But um, they said that Esau's name translated in Hebrew, translated to wasted away is he. You know, whatever that means. Some say that was that his skin. But when you think about Esau and you think about um, the fact that or less or, or, or the fact that he was hairy, a lot of people think that that just means like he was a little bit hairy. But, you know, there's a lot of people walking around with this wolfman complex where they have hair on their face. You can literally comb their hair on their face. They look like a wolf. And um, it's when the women in that kind of people who have that, that's a genetic mutation, you know. So you got to understand there are genetic mutations now, and they have most likely was genetic mutations back then. So ain't no telling where they came from. But now that we know, no matter where they came from, the Japhetic line, it, it, 9 out of 10, it happened in the Japhetic line that there was a mutation, whether the mutation was um, leprosy, or we know that for a fact that... Um, Maybe they produce, you know, um, the, uh, now albinism, they say could be a form, but I, a lot of people, I don't think so. And we don't put that in there only for the reason that even though they are a lack of melanated skin and they have a lot of um, like blue, really light eyes, the thing with them, with their hair, even though it's pale, it's not usually thin so much as it is woolly, which is usually thick. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily go with the three characteristics, which is white as snow, um, all over, or two characteristics, I should say, and then, you know, the... um. No, three, I'm right. Pale snow, thin hair, and also um, yellow hair. Um, <clears throat> then there's like, you know, maybe the Shankanazi Jews just mixed with Esau's people because that's what happened. No matter what, Esau's descendants, but you have to know that, um, you have to know that Japhetic people and his descendants and Japheth's descendants predate um, Esau and his descendants that later on made it to Rome to his people, Kittim, which makes sense that by the time that Esau got there, Kittim was already set up, which is a Japhetic line. So between Esau and Japheth, that's somehow got it. But, you know, they mixed in with Japheth's line, and that's what you got today. So um, they did want to talk about Genesis 25 and 21. Let me go there, and then I'm going to wrap it up because I'm so excited to start up with my new book. I don't even know which book to read first. But you know I'm going to share with you all. Okay, 25 and 21. Genesis 25 and 21. Oh, and Isaac entreated. Ooh, I got posties here. I don't want to rip my book. The Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord said um, that there was going to be two nations in the womb, right? And then the then they said that one, will be, one came out hairy and then the other one came out regular. And... Um, 
that was it. But a lot of people said that, you know, Esau came out ruddy and red and that's what make him white. But you got to remember, if you go to the birth of King David, you'll see that he was ruddy as well. And it has nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, it had it never really said, I mean, there was prophecies on Esau about what he was due and they might attribute it to the white race. So maybe what he did later on with marrying into the kingdom and making descendants and forming Rome, you know, maybe that's what fulfilled his prophecy. But there never was really anything that said that he was just going to turn white. But that's not saying that, uh, you know, he technically still became part of a major white race. So who knows? You know, it's up to you the way you look at it. But I still believe that a lot of people just turned white as well, especially the lepers that had to get kicked out and had to go live amongst themselves. I mean, you can only imagine how much they appealed to being in, you know, especially if it was in the bloodline and the DNA, like we see God curse the seed line. Then, yeah. So let's go to 27 and 37. In Genesis 27 and 37, this will be the last scripture. I don't know. That was something completely different that I wrote back for something Thompson. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's it. I'm done. <clears throat> as far as the origins of the white man, um, vitiligo is a form of unclean leprosy because it's spots. So um, Michael Jackson is probably, I mean, I don't know what he had to do to get it all even, but he would have been one that started off as an unclean leper. So his story is not, you know, that's not, they, they used to make fun of him and just say that he just hated being black, but people do have skin conditions where they spot up, you know, and it's um, considered like leprosy. I guess that's, that's what you would call the gradual process one, and they had the one that was just instant in the Bible. So that is today's episode on the origin of the white race. I will always be looking more into this because I feel like I'm going to always find more information. There's nothing that people really say is just like the end all be all, but you can say based on what I found so far, this is the conclusion. Okay. I hope that you all find this episode helpful. I hope that you all are reading or maybe um, watching more videos or if you want to get in touch with me, if you have a question, comment, concern, something you even just want to add, just share with me that I might not have mentioned that I, that you might want to just, maybe I forgot, I don't know, or bring to my attention so that I could add to my studies. You can reach me at who's on the Lord's side at reborn.com. Also follow me on Instagram at the prisoner of the Lord. I'm there. You can also hit the link there for email and send me an email directly from your phone or your device. So I'll see you guys a little later here on who's on the Lord's side. God bless. Take care.